everybody. Hey, am I back? Check. Oh. They can wipe the tear from your eye after that one. <laughs> so that's a great lead-in for my message, Nardo. Thank you for doing that. I'm not necessarily speaking on uh, ministering to children, but um, we are going to... I think God's really just trying to have us focus on, you know, us us being Jesus in our worlds. And sometimes we make it too complicated, and I, I think that's true. Sometimes we're waiting for a Damascus Road experience or something where a light shines down from heaven and a voice speaks to you from the wind or, you know, there's a burning bush or whatever. Uh, and sometimes it's just, you know, just a simple little, I'm going to do that. <laughs> and uh, you know, that's amazing. I don't know that I've ever heard the 15-year-old story. Have you heard that? Even your own daughter hasn't heard that. <laughs> so I also did, I thought you were 45. So um, <laughs> my birthday is coming up. So <clears throat> so I mean, that's really just an amazing story. I mean, that, what an awesome, what an awesome deal and how, uh, you know, one simple little thing can, can really direct the course of your life and really you know, be something that God really uses you. Because, I mean, we would all, anybody who knows Narda would know that she's been used to, to teach children and is a blessing, is a gifted. And, uh, you know, how many people, how many children have come through her class over the years in 40 years? That's a lot of people to touch. That's a lot of people to touch. And so it's it's so worth it to, to be involved with people, uh, whether they're this big or this big, that we can be we can be involved in their lives. Uh, turn to Acts two. Um, I'm excited about what God is going to share today. You know, we've been talking about that we, you know, that we're the presence of Jesus in the world, and we've. Uh, if this is your first Sunday here, we we've been looking at the scripture in in Ephesians one that says. You know, that the church is the fullness of God, the fullness of Christ, who fills everything in every way. In other words, you know, we are the, we're the presence of Jesus in the world. We're, the, we're, the hand, we're now the hands and feet of Jesus. Uh, and today I want us to kind of focus in on that we are not just the hands and feet of Jesus, but we are the, the mouth of Jesus. Um, to give a little bit of a review, um, one of the most amazing pictures of uh, the presence of God being spread out, and this is one that I, I spoke on two weeks ago, that, but I'd never made the connection before, is in the Old Testament, we all know that the, the, the presence of God was symbolized many times by fire. And uh, it's so awesome, I just have to share it again. You know, I mean, there's, you know, the fire shows up with Elijah, you know, there's the burning bush, there's all, there's all kinds of different examples where uh, it says, you know, the presence of God shows up like a fire, and and consumes and burns and, and cleans and purifies, does all these things. So on the day of Pentecost, what happens when the Holy Spirit comes? If you have ever read Acts 2 before, you'll know that it says first there's wind, which is also uh, a symbol of the presence of God, that the people of God, that the, the Jewish people who were in that room would have known at the time. But the second thing is it says then there is little fires that came and were hovering over each of them. I wish I want to see the video of that 
when I get to heaven. Just because I'm like, the description is, is, is kind of like, what, what, is that, what does that actually look like? Was it just flames? Was it, you know, did they have wood with it? You know, campfire? You know, what, um, you know, what color? What? Was it just regular flame? Was it, you know, spectacularly colored? What, you know, what, what did it look like? But it, it says that when, when the Holy Spirit was poured out, when the church was started, when the, when the body of Christ was created that there were little fires that went on everyone. And so they would have all known and recognized and understood the connection that now the presence of God is on each of them, is in each of them, that there's a change now from the Old Testament to the New. And so what happens right after that is they start speaking in tongues. They're empowered by God and he begins to, they speak in other languages. There's a miracle of speaking and also a miracle of hearing. It says they all heard them speaking in their own language. I think they were really speaking the languages, but you'll have to know there was a miracle of hearing because when 120 people are all speaking at once, it's very hard to pick out one single person to listen to. So there was also a miracle of hearing that the right people from the right nation, they heard the right language that day. God opened their ears to zero in on the one person maybe who was speaking their language. And it says they were declaring the wonders of God. And then in verse 14, Peter stands up and kind of says, hey, let me tell you what's going on here because people are, you know, there's a huge crowd that's, that's being drawn to this upper room. And it says, then Peter stood up, verse 14 of Acts 2. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These men are not drunk as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. And we're going to focus on these first two verses, or these last two verses, 17 and 18. He's quoting Joel chapter 2. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Say all. All. Okay, we took care of everybody there, didn't we? Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. There's something that's happening here that changes everything, the course of history from this point on. The church is birthed, but now there's something different. Not only are these people, they have the, they have the presence of God and the power of God, but now they are also the mouthpiece of God. They now speak, they can now speak for God. Who, who is included in that list in verse 17 and 18? It says, who am I going to pour out my spirit on? Hey, men and women, young and old, servants. In other words, the point is, hey, there's going to be no separation of gender. There's going to be no separation of age. And there's going to be no separation of social status. So it's going to be, it's going to be a cross for everybody. So now everybody can prophesy. Everybody will prophesy. There's now, instead of just the prophet, there's now the prophetic community that the church has created. Part of our purpose is to be a prophetic community. Now, that's one of those big words that sounds all Pentecostal and spiritual and woo, or can. Have you ever met somebody? Hey, they're prophetic. And then you get, they're like all weird, you know, <laughs> like that's like that's the mark of being prophetic is like that's one of those people, you know. 
just excuse the weirdness, okay? And you know what? I think, you know what? Some people are just weird. We're, I'm weird. You know, somebody's going to think I'm weird. Somebody's going to think, you know, we're all different. We're unique. And so God's going to use our unique personalities. But it wasn't, it, wasn't, it wasn't meant to be about that. It was meant to be, hey, you're, you're meant to be someone who speaks for God. Ultimately, what is a prophet? This is the best definition, and I've got it from this book here. Uh, Jerry Cook, he is greatly influencing me right now with his teaching uh, at convention and just the, the practical insights. And so some of this, I am giving credit to him. I will read from this book in just a moment. But his definition is so simple of what it means to be a prophet. It means to see, hear, and speak from God's perspective. To, so to prophesy or to be a prophet is to see, hear, and speak from God's perspective. So in the Old Testament, before Jesus came and died and rose again and then poured out His Spirit on the church and the new covenant was initiated, the, the, the new revelation of what God was doing, there was just a few prophets, right? I'm actually going to tell you. It's actually right. It's true. In the Old Testament, if you read it, there was just a few prophets. And normally they were like, it was like the specific guy. You know, like Elijah. We've all probably heard of Elijah. If you haven't, you can check out uh, second, first and second Kings. But, you know, Elijah was, he was the prophet. There he was. You know, if you wanted to hear from God, if you wanted the word from God, you had to have the prophets speak. You know, so the kings, they would all have, they would have the prophets. You know, it'd be just certain people. You know, it's not just everybody. It's not just anybody. You know, there's certain people. And normally they were also kind of event oriented. In other words, they would speak to certain events in the time of the people of God in the nation. So it'd be like, hey, I'm going to speak to this right now about what's going on. Hey, there's people invading you right now. This is why. Let me tell you. Let me tell you that people are going to invade you if you don't repent. All these different things. Here's what God Here's the, And they are sharing and seeing and hearing and speaking from God's perspective. But in the New Testament, everything changes because now it says, I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh and they will all prophesy. Think about that for just a minute. So that means now the people of God are the people who are seeing and hearing and speaking from God's perspective. Let me read this. You're going to repeat something I just said. Also, the role of prophecy has changed. It says first this, the spirit of prophecy is available to every member of this believing community, the church, the people of God. Who's the church? We are and I am. So it's me and us. So the spirit of prophecy is available to every member of this believing community at all times. Also, the role of prophecy has changed. There are no longer exclusive prophets to speak to the people for God. Now there is a prophetic community whose very life speaks for God to the onlooking world. Historically, prophets do three things. They see and hear and speak from God's perspective. They bring God's view to the present moment. This is the new norm for the new community. Young, old, men, women, all can see and hear and speak from God's perspective. Prophecy is no longer a special gift for select individuals. This is a prophetic community and the immediacy, 
the immediacy of the presence of God is vibrant in all its details of life. He says it much better than me. If, if Amen. And see, if we get this, look, we know this in our head. But if we get this in a fresh way, something changes. How many situations do I face daily where someone needs to see from God's perspective? Hundreds, maybe, you know, a, a bunch of times. Who needs to maybe hear something, you know, hear what's going on around them from God's perspective? Who needs to speak? Who needs to hear a word? Who needs wisdom? Who needs, who needs insight from God's perspective? And who gives that? The church, us, you, me. So now it's, we're guaranteed that God is now speaking through you and your life. He's speaking through us and our life together as a believing uh, faith community. You know, it says this about uh, prophecy in 1 Corinthians 14. If you want to turn there, you can. This is Paul kind of describing it. Now, he's, he's, addressing, he's addressing some, some issues with this, this group of people, the Corinthians. So he's specifically addressing, you know, they, they are out of control with tongues. I mean, tongues was not the problem. It was, the problem was that it was going nuts. Um, you know, what did going nuts look like? It probably looked like, hey, right now we're just going to get up a bunch of people and we're all just going to start yelling in tongues. If we all did that, there'd be a couple people in here that wouldn't be doing it because they don't speak in tongues yet, probably. And they'd go, you're, you're weird. I'm going to lunch. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have come in the doors today. I knew I should have slept in. Whatever, you know, di many different thoughts. And so, um, you know, the point was it was crazy. But get this. Here's what I don't think that, that Paul was talking about. When I, whenever I've been in the place and there's like a bunch of people that all begin to sing in tongues together, and it, it's beautiful. That's not what he's talking about. He wasn't talking about, hey, when there's a, a group of people and they're all praying together in their prayer language, oh, we can't let them. Be. No, that's not what he was talking about. He was talking about uh, out of control shouting and showiness. And so when he's addressing this, just be aware that he's not saying, hey, this is not for today. He's saying, hey, this is, this is, this is the way it's supposed to be. The goal is communication. The goal is revelation. That's God's point is he wants to reveal himself to the world. And he's chosen, whether it was, I know it's a good choice because he did it, but he's chosen to do that through you and me. Could be kind of scary. It says this, 1 Corinthians follow the, 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts, especially the gift of prophecy. And then it goes on and talks about, you know, the difference between tongues and prophecy. And I'm not going to really get into that today because we're not, we're not trying to compare those two today. Um, and then it says at the end of this section in verse 23, it says, So if the, whole church, if the whole church comes together and everybody speaks in tongues and some who do not understand or some unbelievers come in, will they not say you are out of your mind? But if an unbeliever or someone who does not understand 
comes in while everybody is prophesying, speaking, seeing, hearing from God's perspective. He will be convinced by all that he is a sinner and will be judged by all, and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Now, there is, there is a specific gift of prophecy. That's not, Jerry Cook is not saying there's not a specific gift. What he is saying is now is, is hey, look, everybody, everybody in the church, if you're a believer, is called to be the mouthpiece of God. You're called to see and hear and speak from God's perspective. And man, when prophecy happens, whether it comes, whether it's a loud voice from a big meeting like this, or whether it's just one small word in a, in a private conversation, it changes hearts. It opens things up. It lays hearts bare. It makes people worship God. I mean, that's the whole point. The whole point is to draw people to Jesus. And so in order to draw them to Jesus, they need to have a revelation. Their eyes need to be open. There needs to be blindness removed where they can see from God's perspective. Because when I don't see from God's perspective, then everything else gets messed up. My actions are messed up. My words are messed up. My responses are messed up. My relationships are messed up. My choices are messed up. But if we really saw from God's perspective all the time, I'm going to choose right. It's going to be easy because I'm going to go, whoa, this is really bad. And this is really good. It's going to be totally clear. There's never confusion. God is never confused. His perspective is not cloudy. It's not like I'm not sure what's going on. There's no uncertainty. And so what happens is if we can get this, then you know what? Day to day, it might not look like a prophecy. Because in our minds, especially if we've been in a Pentecostal church a while, we know what prophecy is, right? It's when somebody stands up right here and says, I feel like God said something and I say it. Or if you've been in what I call old school <laughs> Pentecostal, Somebody gets up and says, thus saith the Lord, and they speak. It doesn't matter to me which way they, they give it. I don't care. As long as it's from God, it's all good with me. And it's, you know, style. God, he uses all kinds of different styles. Read the, all the books of the New Testament, all the books of the Bible. They were all written from different styles because God used different people to write them. He doesn't change your personality. He empowers who you are and makes himself revealed through your, through your words. So... So you can all prophesy. Sometimes, and I want to tag off what an artist said, we make it too complicated. This is not about me sitting next to somebody and going, oh man, I need a word from the Lord from them. I need a word from the Lord for this person. You do, but it might be just really simple in the conversation. It might be just you, hey, have you thought of this? And boom, they say, I've never thought of it that way. You have just given them in one simple statement God's perspective, seeing, hearing, or speaking from God. You know, they're seeing, oh, I never thought of it that way. You might in that moment with just a simple statement of, hey, have you ever thought of this? You were giving them a prophetic word. All that is is speaking for God, telling them what, what they need to know from God. So we can demystify it a little bit where it doesn't have to be this this whoo, where, where I feel the Holy Spirit come upon me, just like Narda said, hey, I'm all, I'm all for all of those. I like them all. 
But if we realize that the Holy Spirit is already upon us, in us, filling us, then that means at any moment he's ready to speak through me. That any moment I can give something and I can give it straight from the throne of God, straight from the eyes and perspective of God. Man, if people live like that day to day, if I would live like that day to day, if you would live like that day to day, then people are going to be changed around us. They're going to begin to see uh, the perspective of God. They're going to see things differently. Why is there so much confusion in our nation right now? Because the church has not clearly defined what God's view is, what God says, what God's like. We're not sure. There's so many different voices coming forth. Oh, God says this. God says that. God says this. Well, how is anybody who doesn't know Jesus supposed to know what Jesus is really like? Because we've got these, you know, is he like schizophrenic? Is he ticked off or does he not care about sin? I mean, is he, you know, is he, is he all for this stuff or is he against this stuff? You know, we, we made it too complicated. And look, we're not going to fix all of Christendom, that's not our job. That's not what we're called to do. That's not our problem to worry about, so to speak. But I can say, hey, Lord, you know what? I just want to live my life, and every single day, I want to be able to see and hear and speak from your perspective. I want to be a part of the community that you have said I am already in, that I am already a part of a community where God pours out His Spirit on all His sons and daughters that nobody is left out, that nobody is unimportant, that nobody is unempowered, that nobody cannot speak from God. Let me read you another quote here. This thing, this thing's just really messing with me. Just because it's so practical, uh, sometimes we, we make things too hard. Um, the church, remember you can say that's me and us, the church is walking out the very presence of Christ in their every, everyday circumstances. It touches every appointment, every chance meeting, every conversation, every event of every day 24-7. The church is the faithful presence of Christ. It is this faithful presence that penetrates to the core of society and brings redemptive potential to everyone it touches. To be Pentecostal means that I acknowledge the reality of Christ's immediate and active presence through the Spirit. Spirit baptism is not for decoration or effect, but to enable the Spirit-filled believer to be Jesus in any situation. We do not relegate the power of the Spirit to an age past or gifted experts in the present. The manifestation of the Spirit is given to everyone. There are no limitations imposed. That's some awesome stuff right there. I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Here's two things that happen, though, that I've found happen in my own life, probably. That, that, that generally deter me from living more fully in the reality of who God has already made me to be of what he's already said I have, and of what he's already said I can do. Because here's the deal, and we're going to use some D's here. The devil, the devil cannot defeat us. The Bible clearly says that the gates of hell will not prevail over the church. Okay? 
No weapon formed against me shall prosper. What, there's all kinds of scriptures. Greater than, is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So there's, there's all kinds of scripture we can go to that knows if God is for us, who can be against us. Okay, so the devil cannot ever defeat me. Okay, some of us need to say it. The devil cannot defeat me. Go ahead and say that right now. He has, does not have the authority. He does not have the power. He does not have the right to defeat me. So because he can't literally fight and win, he's got to use different tactics. He's got to use some stuff that's smoke and mirrors, ultimately. Because the reality is, uh, you know, there's that scripture that says at the end of time, you know, he's going to be revealed. We're going, that was him? That's, that's it? There's a, there's a scripture that says, you know, he'll come out and everybody will be like, that's the one who deceived the nations? Really? Compared to God? I mean, that's the whole point, is compared to God. (laughs) The devil is not the opposite of God. There is no opposite of God. An opposite implies equality. There is no opposite of God. Make sure you have a big God and a little devil. Not a stupid devil, but a little devil. But what he can do, and what I find he does most likely in my life, is he does two things that he, instead of defeating, he, number one, he tries to distract me. He can distract me. He can get me to focus on myself and my problems, on my needs, on my this and that. I mean, think about, think about just church culture in general. Okay, and I'm, I don't want to knock you if this is the reason you've come to our church. But think about when someone looks for a church. They're like, man, I, you know, people choose a church. Man, I like the pastor. Well, might be the case here. I don't know. Um, man, he's a really good preacher. Oh, I love the worship. Oh, I like the people. All my friends are there. Oh, they have a good children's ministry. Oh, they have a good singles ministry. Or they have a good this ministry. How do we get there? Does that look any... Can you imagine somebody in, in Acts chapter 2 going, uh, I don't know. You know, you just don't, your, your home groups are not really that good. I don't really like them. I don't like the style of music you guys do. You know, I'm just going to, can you imagine the, the Bible actually talking about that? It's so ridiculous. But that's how our church culture has become because we've been distracted to think that the church was meant to meet our needs when we're meant to be the church and meet the needs of the world. And then it was a, the church was originally created not to be a community to meet my needs, but to be a community where I have a shared experience with an encounter with Jesus Christ and a filling and empowering with the Holy Spirit and a shared purpose to reveal Jesus and be the hands and feet of Jesus in the world. Then all that other stuff doesn't matter as much because it's not about me anymore. And I'm not distracted on, oh man, I'm not getting what I, what I need. Well, look, it, when you're in community, when you're, when you're focused on, on, it doesn't mean we're not caring for one another, but we're, we have a shared purpose that God has given us to reveal Jesus to the world. Look, the world is, is being destroyed. That's what it says in the last 19 and 20 there. Hey, there's gonna, the world is, is, is not going to last. So if you see the world, man, the world's going to hell. You know, the world's it's just falling apart. That's what's supposed to happen. That's not going to change. The ecological part of our world is falling apart. That's going to happen. That's not going to change. 
But there is supposed to be a people in the midst of the world falling apart who are calling out when everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're there to say, yes, here's Jesus. Here's salvation. This is what he looks like. This is what he does. Let me give you what he gives. But if I'm distracted, I get distracted, then you know what? Then I'm not as aware and presently, immediately faithful to be the mouthpiece of Jesus, to be, to be able to speak from the, from the perspective of God because I'm too focused on whatever. It doesn't mean we should... I think we should just take care of those things quick. Let's move on. It doesn't mean some things won't take some time. Look, I'm not, I'm not minimizing pain in people's lives. Nobody would think that, I don't believe, by, if you've heard our, my heart. Um, but what I'm saying is I don't want that to be a distraction and deter me from being who God has called me to be already and said, you can already do this. He didn't say, hey, you've got to wait till you're all healed up and, and whole in Jesus. Hey, we're, we're all growing. We're all being changed. We're all being made to be like Jesus. But hey, you can speak for him now. You can minister for him now. You can be his presence, his hands and feet right now. What does it look like? I don't know. It may look like when you're 15, you're called to start... You start teaching 11-year-old boys. I don't know what it looks like, but being the hands of feet in Jesus and being the one that says, hey, what, I have the Spirit, I've got the fire in me, be the fire in my heart, I can now speak from God's perspective. It doesn't have to be weird, doesn't have to be out there, doesn't have to be you know, quoting the Scripture, it could, but it might mean I just share a simple phrase that speaks for God into a situation. So I've got distractions, and you know what the other one, the big one I find, is just discouragement. The enemy can't defeat you, but he can try to distract you and try to discourage you. Because when you're discouraged, let's say, you know, something doesn't work out. You know, uh, we, we, you get discouraged when you focus on what's not happening, what I don't have, what's not going the right way. I mean, look, we've all got stuff that's not going the right way. That's that's going to happen in our world. But if I focus on that, if I begin to dwell on that and think about that, meditate, meditate just means to think on something over and over again. Have you ever had something where you're just thinking about the bad thing over and over again? You're meditating on that bad thing rather than meditating on the Word of God or what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. I mean, you're, you're drawing that through your whole self. And you know what happens when I focus on those things? I get discouraged. I lose courage. And so when I'm in a situation where God says, hey, turn to that person and say hi. What? <laughs> that may be all he says to you. Whoo, yes, it was just say hi. That was it, Lord. Hey, you don't know. You don't know what God is calling you to be, the hands and feet of Jesus. You don't know. Maybe they just need to hear God say hello to them. And you're his voice with a kind greeting for the first time that day. I don't know. Could be something even, you know, it can be simple, or it can be, you know, it could be, be something that looks unimaginable. We get discouraged when we focus on our faults and failures. I mean, how many of you could look at all the times you've screwed it up and think about that over and over again and, does that make you want to do anything else? <laughs> right? Oh, gosh, I did that. Oh, man. Oh. I mean, if we focus on that and think on it over and over again, 
it's going to be really hard for me to sit next to someone else and give them God's perspective because I don't have God's perspective on me. And see, I think that's the great thing about this is, hey, God's saying, hey, look, I'm going to communicate this and I'm going to pour out my spirit on all flesh. And not only can you see and hear and speak from God's perspective for someone else, you can do it for yourself. Sometimes we need to just prophesy to ourselves, right? Hey, this is what, hey, wait a second here. Stop thinking like that. This is what God says. You can talk to yourself. Did you know that? That doesn't make you weird. I mean, it does if you do it to a certain extent. <laughs> you know? Hey, honey, who you, are you talking to me, babe? No, no, I'm talking to myself. <laughs> you talking to one of the kids? No, not with the kids. <laughs> just, just talking to myself right now in the mirror. You know? Speak, speak what God says over you, over your own life. Tell yourself. Sometimes we need to tell. It's just like, you know, in the Psalms, and we sing songs like this, it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul. That's a song talking to yourself. Bless the Lord, O my soul, my soul. You're singing a song to yourself. Did you know that? You're saying, hey, soul, bless the Lord. Sometimes it's good to talk to yourself. So distraction and discouragement. Hey, you know what another discouraging thing can be? is just to dwell on your past. There's some pretty depressing things in my life. And I've had a pretty, pretty good life. It doesn't matter how good of a life you've had. You can, if you want to dwell on the past and find something bad and depressing, you can find it. You're probably going to find something. And if you dwell on that, you're going to be discouraged. You're going to start losing your boldness and faith and confidence to step out for God. But if I say, you know what, I've laid those things. If you've dealt with the past, then you move on. And I'm not going to bring that up anymore. I'm not going to dwell on that anymore. I'm not going to let that control my present or my future. And you know what, I found the two things, when you get distracted or you get discouraged, we become dull. We become dull to the voice of God. Because really, what ultimately needs to happen, in order for me to see and hear and speak from God's perspective, I've got to be hearing Him. I've got to be clued into Him. I've got to be aware of His presence, aware of what God is saying to me. Why is, why is speaking in tongues so important? Because, hey, it's a straight communication with God. Why is your prayer language important? Because you can... Wake up your spirit sometimes just by choosing to pray in the spirit. Because it says, hey, why would God, who's a speaking and a relational God, not give you an avenue and a, and a language to do that in that's special? Why would he not do that? I, and anyway, that's just preaching to the choir, I guess. You know, It's kind of like people get all caught up on tongues. It's, look, the point is, is God loves to talk to us. And he loves us talking to him. And he loves communication because he wants revelation to happen. He wants to reveal himself to us. And one of the ways that he does that is by giving us a gift whereby we can communicate with him in a spiritual manner. And so when I communicate with God in a spiritual manner, I am more open to spiritual things. So when that, be, that means my regular conversations are more filled with the Spirit than they were before because I'm speak, praying in the Spirit on my own. Other part is the Word of God, the written Word of God. As I get this in me, 
I gain God's perspective. I, when I re, have you ever read the Bible and, and God changes your perspective? What's happened is this book is prophetic. This helps you see and hear and speak from God's perspective. And so when I read and my eyes are open and something changes, that means now I am living in the reality of what it looks like for God. So that means problems look smaller. Miracles look easier. Enemies look defeated. Battles look sure. All kinds of stuff that God changes in His perspective. See, the other thing we've done in church is we've, uh, we've made it all, and we don't do this, but in general, it becomes all about the gathering of the church. And I think that's important. Look, that's totally important. We need to gather as a church to encourage one another, to challenge one another, to celebrate what God is doing. But think about all the amazing things you'd like to see in our Sunday morning service. Some of us have talked, I've had conversations, man, I want to see, I want to see this miracle. I want to see this and that. I want to see blah, blah, blah. I want to see it too. But what if God is still just saying, hey, you know what? It's just not going to happen because I want it to happen out there. Because people don't just come to church anymore. I don't, I don't think that's a newsflash. There's a lot of new people in Midland. And there's a lot of churches including us, that are still the same size. They're not, just, they're not just coming in. And they're probably not just opening the book, oh man, Mid-City, Stonegate, whatever big church. Hey, maybe they are. People aren't looking for a church anymore. They don't know who God is. They don't, they don't even have a clue that they need Him. And so it's up to the church now with the fires in our hearts spread out to everybody to individually in our lives live our lives in such a way under the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit in us to see and hear and speak from God's perspective. Because when that happens, then people will be changed. Then people will want to come to church. Because you know why? They'll have already met Jesus. And they'll go, hey, here's a place where we come and we gather and we get to celebrate Jesus together. Okay, that's cool. I've met Jesus in you. And if he's like you, then I want to get to know other people who know Jesus and be like him. So it takes sometimes a change of mindset to where my mind is now, you know, I, I just want to ask the Lord, and it, it's so easy. We get distracted by life and all those things. Hey, look, it doesn't mean you, change, you have to change your, your whole life. You may change one thing in your schedule to, to spend a little bit more time with the Lord if you're not doing that. You know, take that time because that's when you gain His perspective. And then you're going to be able to share it with somebody else with the Scriptures and worshiping Him praying in the Spirit, praying in English or Spanish, 
or whatever language is your first language. Um, but when you do that, and then it's just live life. Then you'll just run into people and things will happen. You'll, just because you're ready. And here's the deal. Some of us, my main encouragement today is, hey, just be aware that God's speaking through you. God is speaking through you. He can and He is and He will. You don't have to wait for whoever you think is better at hearing God. Let's, let's, let's quit waiting for the other person to do it and just say, you know what, I'm the person. I, I'm a child of God. Wait a second here. I am everything that needs to be in this situation because He is in me. If Christ in me is the hope of glory, then I am ready at any moment. I can give the Word of God at any moment. Whether it needs me to, to, to speak to their entire life, that God reveals their entire life and a point of healing happens, or, or just one question or one word, that I'm ready. Does that sound good? Does that sound like we, what we want to do? Let's stand up. And I know we're going we're gonna to do some other things and be the hands and feet of Jesus and uh, passing out flyers and setting up chairs and loving kids and, and all that, that different stuff. But I, I, do, I, do, I do want us to say I, I thank you, Narda, for, for giving that word because I think it's important uh, that, that we want to do this not just at special times like VBS. VBS is an event and it's an awesome event and I think it's important. We wouldn't be doing it if I didn't think it was important. Uh, and we will always do special kind of events. But I think where God is continuing to push us and lead us is saying, hey, you know what? You get to be the hands and feet of Jesus, and you get to be the mouth of Jesus every single day. And wake up in the morning and expect that to, ha- expect that to happen. And see what, see what changes. See if something happens. See if you suddenly have a conversation. See if you know an Estonian guy shows up in your house and is selling you children's books. Who knows? If you're interested in having three guys from Estonia live with you, let us know. They're looking for a place to stay. I'm, I'm serious. This is an, I, don't know, I don't know if this is our opportunity, but it's somebody's opportunity to be the hands and feet of Jesus in, the, in this guy and his buddy's lives. So you can talk to us about that afterwards. So I want us to just, just kind of close this the service time with, with just kind of just opening our, our hearts and hands or whatever posture you want to take and just say, uh, you know, God, speak through me. Lord, speak through me. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking through me. Thank you, Lord, that I have the Word of God in my heart. Thank you, Lord, that I have my eyes open to see from your perspective. Lord, thank you, Lord, that we as your people can hear from you, that we can speak for you, that we can see things the way you see them, Father, and that we can bring the experience of the life of God, the, 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 the life of Jesus Christ into any and every situation because you have said, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And Lord, since I'm a part of the all flesh, I'm a part of the all people. Lord, we, everyone, every single person is in covered, so we just, we just choose to surrender to you. Lord, we don't need a a special experience right now. We don't need, uh, if you want to give it, great. But Lord, we don't need any special special new anointing. Lord, you're saying, just like you said in 1 John, hey, you have an anointing from the Holy One. You already have this in you. 
And so we thank you, Lord, that you would allow us to not be distracted or discouraged or live like we're defeated, even if we're not. Lord, help us not be dull to your voice and what you're doing. Holy Spirit, we invite you to awaken our hearts to what you're saying. Lord, we just, we just say right now to every single spirit and heart, come awake in Jesus' name. Come awake to what God is doing. Lord, I want my life, I say to my soul, be awake to what God is doing. Be awake to what God is saying. Lord, we, we, just, we just surrender ourselves freshly today to say, God, yes, we want to do that. We want to be a part of that, Lord. And we know that, that, the, then, that miracles become probable and expected, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for all those things. Let us be your hands and feet. Let us be your mouth. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Be blessed. And we need some help with all kinds of stuff. So uh, hold on. Before you go, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. We've got somebody who wants to share. Um.